Welcome to the Product Podcast, brought to you by Product School, the podcast where you get fresh insight from leaders at top tech companies and startups. Remember, you can learn product management in person at our 15 campuses worldwide or study with us online. Visit productschool.com to learn more about our courses. You can also hang out with the leaders from these podcasts at our hundreds of annual events and catch us at ProductCon, the world's largest PM conference that takes place every year across the United States and in London. I'm super passionate about product and have spent nearly my entire career uh, working in product. We should advance that. That is not the picture we want to look at. Uh, Very good. Let's start here. So I want to talk about modern work management, and specifically, you know, we spend a lot of time in product obsessing over customers, talking about the discipline, how we get feedback, how we incorporate that into prioritization schemes and strategies and develop a roadmap. And I want to talk about something that's really practical in terms of how we approach uh, product management and new product development in particular. Um, and, and how that really aligns to just work in general and how we things get done. Uh, I think many of us uh, believe that there's a lot of art in product and that we're hired for our judgment and, and we lay out, but there is a little bit of science and, and routine to that as well. Um, so wanting to find uh, the balance there. So Workfront helps people uh, do their best work. And, and we have had the great fortune of working with some of the biggest and most recognizable companies and the most revered brands out there. And and through working with thousands of customers and studying work that gets done, uh, we've found a lot about what they're doing really well. We've also found that there are things uh, that are are changing and, and some are thinking about getting work done which includes delivering new product and accelerating uh, in the market, all wrong. A lot of the times we'll come at this from the angle of, you know, if we could just break down those silos, if we could just have better project management, if we could just be more agile, these things would help us um, get to the next level. What we know is that circumstances now are very different, and that incremental approach is not always going to do. And in fact, the new currency really is speed. And we went from, we had a world where maybe you'd deliver a new product once a year, and you'd have a big annual release cycle, and and everybody would rally around that. Um, That's no longer the expectation. We're now quickly moving towards continuous delivery, and the expectation is that you're doing that in a way that you're driving tailored solutions. Global complexity uh, is is on both sides of the coin. It is on the side where we are working in global teams and organizations, and how do we collaborate with our development teams on one side of the world and product teams or product marketing teams or sales organizations distributed. Geographic boundaries are fading. And that's true for our customers as well. We're trying to tailor solutions and be really targeted in serving unique market needs. And specifically with geographies and and, and localized requirements, it's really demanding that we have multiple variations and distributions of our products.
We have multiple work streams. It used to be a little bit more of a factory. Again, if we're thinking about an annual release cycle, we develop a product, we hand it off, and we, we market a product and, and go to market and we sell that product. And, and that's not the case anymore. With the volume, with the number of variations, we have many, many work streams all at one time. And it's a very networked and social environment. We don't have the luxury anymore of, of being in our product bubble and, and thinking creatively and delivering product only. We really need to be more connected uh, to all other parts of the business and really all parts of what's going on in the market. This has created exponential work product. And in fact, when we th we're going to talk about digital artifacts and the content that we create as part of this process, uh, there are exabytes of digital artifacts and content supporting all of this. And the leaders of tomorrow have recognized this. They're recognizing this shift, recognizing this change that really demands a different approach. Today, we give great preference and priority to protect and understand our financial records. We have a system of record that is the source of truth for all things finances to understand the health of our business. We do the same for our customers. We have a system of record that is the source of truth. It is the single repository for all things about our customers and our relationship and managing the health of that relationship. We do the same for HR systems, for our workforce, our employees. We give them uh, also that sort of certainty that we're managing it as a single source of truth, as a system of record. Can you say the same for the work that's happening? Think of all the work that's happening in support of bringing your products to market. Do you know that all of the development efforts are in fact aligning to the most important priorities and objectives? Do you have confidence that all the other teams across the organization are in fact aligned behind that as well? This can only be done through an operational system of record, a system of record that captures all of the work and provides that visibility and transparency into the process. An operational system of record must start with the people. I think that's, our, that's the best part of our jobs as product managers is the obsessing over customers and really thinking about the human elements of the things that we're delivering and, and how it meets needs. Um, we have in this room people who are responsible for some of the most forward-looking, uh, technologically advanced, creative solutions in the market. We also know that none of them would be adopted if they don't have a stellar user experience. We also know that if you're going to have a system of record that captures and helps us support a faster path to market, it must be connected to the things that we already have and the places where we get work done. Take a minute and do an inventory of all the systems or applications that you interface with or interact with on a daily basis. I'd be willing to bet that it's no less than a dozen. We all start our day, this is actually kind of embarrassing to say, but many of us start our day thinking about the calendar, right? Protecting our time so that we can both support the delivery of, of, our, of our products and support our teams and also 
externally engaged with, with clients and uh, the market, but we have business requirements and requirements documents. We definitely are checking in on our customers uh, and looking at pipeline and understanding how are the solutions doing in market? Are we seeing the demand for them? And also looking in our financial systems and, and determining are we indeed seeing the traction and adoption rates that are needed to maintain the health of our business. So an operational system of record needs to tie all these things together. The documents, the presentations, the spreadsheets, the calendars, the systems of record that you have for customers, for your financials, all of these things must meet in order to help us move faster. These are the seams that we need to help bring together a team to deliver because it's not always just the product team. Many of us uh, sort of spend our daily lives uh, interacting in, in a pretty focused group within a product organization. But the reality is that no product can be successful if you don't also have that collaboration broadly with the other stakeholders in your organization. A system of record must also be safe and secure. We demand that we have uh, protection for our most important assets. In this case, it's our work. Quite literally, it is our roadmap to the most important business outcomes that we're marching towards. And we need to know that only the people that should have the access to that are indeed being given privileged access to, to get in there, uh, but also that we can comply with whatever uh, industry regulations, corporate governance that may be in place so that we can, again, measure ourselves against that. And finally, seeing and measuring everything. In the end, we can't improve what we can't measure. And so a lot of this is just getting visibility, understanding what is the work in progress? What are we actually driving towards together? And are we getting enough leverage out of those efforts? So modern work actually... It's pretty simple and straightforward. After talking with thousands of customers and studying all this work in all these different departments, in every industry across the world, work actually just all takes the same format. So we, we have an, a request, work comes in, we plan for it, we budget for it, we think about can, are we going to be successful? We do the work. And then someone ultimately has to say, yes, the job was done. And throughout that cycle, we continue to collaborate and iterate along the way in order to deliver whatever results. So if we look at this in context of product planning and product strategy and new product development, strategy and intake, this is a really big part of our time. Think of all the channels that you have for feedback. We've got customers who we have prospects, we have uh, partner communities that all require uh, our, our time and, and ask things of us. We also have internal stakeholders. We heard about the executive requests that, that certainly make their way. We have customer success organizations who are really thinking about how do we improve the experience, and the list goes on. So we have to be constantly having a process for bringing in all of those requests and that intake, and then applying our prioritization to that, leveraging our product strategy in order to budget and plan for the work that's going to be done. Often for products, 
That is done in the context of our, a build buyer partner decision. So we have a list of things that we want to go after. We're trying to assess the return on investment and what the potential opportunity is. And we decide which route do we go. And part of this is capacity. Do we have the resources? Do we have the staffing? Do we have the expertise? Do we have the skills needed? And that could be both technically, but also even commercially and in market. Do we have the brand and the credibility to tell that story, to sell that solution? Do we have uh, all the right messaging to really be effective in having that land? And then the big box or the big circle in the middle work execution. This is where uh, the bulk of, of the time is spent. And really, there is a lot of variety in here. Now, you may be using uh, Agile or Scrum or Kanban, or there's a, a, a lot of different methods. There will be other methods in the future. And they all can, can serve their purpose. And any of them can, can make sense, given the state of the company, where you are in a project, uh, the culture of your organization. But work is personal. And we want to know that we can go ahead and get work done and do that in context of the corporate objectives that are most important. But we can only do that also if we have the right reviews and approval. This is actually a step in product management and product planning that is often sort of overlooked. We think we set a strategy, we set everybody out to march against it, we're just gonna go deliver the product, deliver the solution or experience, and, and now we're done. The review and approval stuff is actually really critical because it's sometimes fit and function for our customers is sort of the most, most obvious. But also review and approval of, are we ready to go to market? Do we have the appropriate um, legal and compliance reviews that need to happen? Do we have all the enablement planning done? Uh, so there are a lot of other steps that are far outside of the product itself, the product definition, the product delivery that we need to be thinking about. And again, throughout that cycle, we anticipate it being very iterative and need to be measuring in order to deliver. And delivery is sometimes to traditional customers, but it also can be to internal stakeholders or as part of other initiatives. So just really want to reinforce all work does take a common shape and these steps. And it's important for us to leverage that because as we blend sort of that art and science of product management, the, don't reinvent the wheel. Don't create it again. Uh, there is a standard process and set of steps that can really help us to drive efficiencies and really accelerate in driving new products to market. If we take this just as a, 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 from a content lens in looking at that work management and how do we think about planning and new product development, content alone is a great example of, of how we can start to get leverage out of the work. Early on in that intake phase, we're again talking about analyst reports. We're doing third-party research. We have roadmaps. Uh, we have corporate strategies that are input to this. There are dozens of artifacts that are really important to us having the right strategy and making the right decision, having that decision framework. We can then apply that resourcing and decide, you know, are we investing? And as we get going, we move into a design and develop phase. And here again, the work product becomes... Uh, very fast growing as we do design mocks, 
We do concept validation. We do additional research and user studies. And this is an incredibly iterative part of the process that creates multiple versions of these. And these versions matter. So we think that sometimes we create an architectural diagram or we create a concept uh, design or mock-up. And, and then we just continue to iterate and move on. But capturing those states along the way are really important because it, it, it re is a reflection of our decision-making. And it helps us, especially as we look back, on why we made decisions on the road and how we got here. So this is an important part of the retrospective to have these. But it's also a starting point often as we go into new projects or new endeavors, new capabilities that we're yet to deliver. We can reference things that were similar as a starting point. And then we get, we get into that development and test phase, and we're really building momentum at that point, especially with our cross-functional stakeholder groups. As we talk about go-to-market, we don't get to just sort of hand off the product and we're all, we're all done, and, and then it, it goes out and it sells itself. I wish that were the case. Instead, we have to be planning early with our customer success team about how we're going to get customers onboarded. We need to be talking with marketing about the messaging and what are the collateral pieces that we need to be really crisp about that message. Do we have the services team and the field team armed and ready to help deploy or advise or otherwise support thought leadership? There are many other functions that are part of the process, but all of those artifacts, all of that content is really critical because then we get to delivery. And that's when we can really assess the ROI. We can look at what did it take for all of us together across all the functions in the company to really create this product because it wasn't just the product. Delivering the product was just a piece of it. We can look at the, the scope of work in all the context and really assess the, the ultimate ROI and use that as a starting point for the future. There are five broad use cases that we see around sort of work and work management that are consistently applied. There are a few scenarios here that I think are particularly relevant in product management today. And the first is invisibility and really managing at a portfolio level. When we enter the PM discipline, generally the scope is pretty narrow. We're looking at a, a feature, a component, a fairly narrow solution in terms of our responsibility and scope. And over time, we get more uh, context and more scope for multiple product areas. Maybe it's a product suite or a solution set. And then at the corporate level, we'll have many of these. We need to understand not just the health and the progress and what is happening for our given feature or capability, but we need to understand the scope and what is the relevance and importance, what is that context for our business as a whole. The next piece is in, in client-facing services. So often our products and solutions come to market um, and, and the products themselves are awesome and they're very usable, we talked about that, and yet um, they need to be coupled or married up with services that really help to extract value and get time to value up for our customers. Sometimes the product itself is a service, and we know that there's a certain set of um, steps that are really important and critical to maintain 
uh, consistency in delivery, but still flex to allow for the customization and the personalization for a given client. And the last one, governing compliance. This, again, is one of the the things that, as product managers, we need to be really thoughtful about, and sometimes it's more of an afterthought. But are we thinking through, can I prove it? Look, the reality is it is a very litigious time, and it it is helpful for all of us to be thoughtful up front about, are we upholding the practices that we have in terms of supporting and delivering Uh, services and content to our customers? Are there corporate policies for brand adherence that we need to uphold? Is there industry regulation that could be affected by this? There's a series of compliance workflows and reviews and approvals that need to go in to make sure we have a successful product introduction. We have uh, one client uh, focused on new product introduction Perry, who was doing uh, a series of deliverables over the course of the year. And they coordinated with external suppliers, with their internal uh, product folks and the cross-functional team, with a plan of record that was established uh, in a spreadsheet and mailed around. And then we'd get together on a a weekly basis and sort of check in on that. Um, As you can imagine... It wasn't the most efficient process. By establishing a system of record for work and for how they bring products to market, now there's predictability. Now they have one system where everybody can go to get that that next best action and understand what work is most important to get done next. And a way to collaborate not just with the internal team, with the externals team. So the operational efficiency is probably pretty obvious. But what it also did was alleviate, from that compliance angle, um, all of the compliance reviews that were happening. They had a team, a compliance team, uh, that would overlook uh, the new product introduction and be able to sign off on that. And they halved the time that it would take them to get through all of that and improved their risk profile in the process. So just an example of how it can be very helpful um, to establish that that work process and really adhere to that in order to drive efficiency. So before I wrap, just three things that I'd love to recap for you. First and foremost, work really does take uh, the same shape, no matter the industry, no no matter the the function, and certainly within the PM function. And don't reinvent the wheel. As you look at your product life cycle and you look at your new product development processes, really search for that baseline set of steps and the baseline content so that you can get more efficient and really accelerate uh, as you go through this multiple times. Two is really be conscious of the people and the handoffs. In PM, we really work in the seams a lot, and that's where the magic happens because we know that product's doing their, their jobs, we know that marketing's doing their job, we know communications is doing their job, legal, compliance, all these groups, but it's how we really bring them together. And, and so really focusing on where in that process people uh, in other functions and other teams are involved and being really deliberate about the interactions with them and making them part of that, that will help drive efficiency. And third is just being really conscious of the tool that you use in order to underpin all of this, because uh, a stated process is one thing, 
but to really operationalize it and get the benefits of the transparency and the visibility of knowing all the work that's happening and knowing that it ultimately is tied to the most important priorities and that you have the best chance of achieving the business outcomes you've set forth to achieve, um, that can only really be realized if you have uh, the underpinnings to really uh, codify that process through a tool set. Thank you for your time. Thank you for listening to the Product Podcast. If you like this episode, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes. For more product insights, head over to productschool.com.